0: For a month now, we've been reading from the sixth chapter of the Gospel according to John, and we'll read the last section of that next week. And all during this, we've seen a growing intensity of the encounter between Jesus and the crowds. All those thousands of people, they had been fed the loaves and the fish. They were ready to make Jesus king, but we see today that their murmuring began to turn into quarreling. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, the crowd said. What was wrong with them? Hadn't they seen the multiplication of food? Wasn't that enough for them? Where was their faith? I think there's a a good way of looking at this. Pope Benedict, in fact, wrote an essay about it. He talks about when it comes to Jesus how there's three aspects or really three challenges of faith. One is to be a minimalist, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that He became man and died and rose again for us. Some people believe that that is sufficient. That's all you have to believe. And then also there's the type of faith uh, that we say we believe in Jesus, we trust in Him as our Savior and as our Lord, and we realize that it is not our own personal efforts, but His grace and mercy. That will bring us to salvation. But perhaps much tougher than just that minimal amount is the idea that we must believe Jesus. It seems that this was the problem that the people in the gospel were having. And can it also be a problem for us? We might fully accept everything in the creed and trust in, in Jesus Christ, his Savior. But well, when it comes to simply believing Jesus, we might find it more difficult. It means to not only accept him as our Savior, but to accept everything he says. We want the structure of faith. We want salvation, the benefits that come through faith. But the living out of the implications can be much tougher. We tend to want to be able to decide which teachings appeal to us and which ones can we just set aside. Here's where the people in the gospel balked. Jesus was okay. They were ready to follow him. But then he said some difficult words. He asked for belief. Belief without quarreling, without grumbling, belief without hesitation. Belief when belief seemed impossible. For my flesh is true food, the Lord says, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Is it any surprise, as we will read in the Gospel next week, that many of his disciples, and let me repeat that, not the crowd, but many of his disciples said, this saying is hard, who can accept it? And from that time forward, many of his disciples would no longer walk with him. And what was Jesus' reaction Does he say, hey, wait a minute, come back. I'll explain later. Eventually you'll understand what I'm talking about. No, he's almost eerily calm As he turns to his 12 hand-picked men and gave them the chilling option, do you also want to leave? And he issues that same challenge of faith to us as well. How can we say we have faith? if we do not actually believe Jesus, when he says to us, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. The option we have is the same chilling option that was offered to the crowd, to the disciples, and even to the twelve apostles. Believe or leave. We can and we must believe. We trust that the Lord's words to us will be fulfilled. We are confident that on this altar, in the hands of the priests, the words of Christ do for us exactly what he promised. This is my body. This is my blood. But here's the question. Why would he veil his presence under the appearance of bread and wine? Why not make it obvious, like a big transfiguration moment, a big explosion every Sunday. Well, he did make his power obvious to the crowd. When he took five loaves of bread and fed 5,000 people and 12 baskets were left over, but what good did it do? They all left. In the Eucharist, there is no visible change in the bread and wine, precisely because the humility of Christ demands that we believe Jesus only upon his word. Just as he was born in a stable, laid in an animal's feeding trough, raised in a carpenter's shop, and even on the cross would not prove his divinity by coming down from that cross as his taunters demanded, so he chooses to veil his divinity in the forms of bread and wine. Why would he act out of character? on that night before he died, when he gave us the blessed sacrament. Jesus does not force our faith. He asked for it. How powerful a memory it is to me of serving a confirmation mass at Sacred Heart Cathedral. I was cleansing the sacred vessels after communion as the cathedral choir in Latin began to sing the hymn, Humbly We Adore Thee. As they reached the verse, visus patus gustus in te falitur. sight, touch, and taste in thee are all deceived. I trembled as I looked down upon the shining chalices and thought, even those small particles that appear to be mere bread are the body of Christ, those few drops of precious blood were not mere wine, but Christ was truly there. To all appearances, it was ordinary food. But my God, my Lord, my Savior, the risen Christ, truth himself does not deceive. This is my body. This is my blood. Our great God comes to our level. He dwells in our midst. He becomes Our food. And he asks us to believe not because of his miracles or like the crowd because they had filled their bellies with food, but to believe him, to believe in the words that God's own son has spoken. And what are those words? This is my body. This is my blood. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. And I will raise him on the last day. We believe these words, but honestly, do we really act on them? Shouldn't our belief in this stupendous presence of Christ in the Eucharist, of the real presence of Christ, shouldn't that belief fill these pews? What of those who do not come to this table to be fed? Shouldn't these words of Jesus make us tremble? Amen, amen, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Shouldn't these words alone be enough to make us become evangelists, ambassadors for the faith, eager to spread the good news that Christ is now among us and feeds us with his risen self? Shouldn't these words be enough for us to work for, pray for, and hope for the day when all those who call themselves Christians can be gathered around one altar. Do not be afraid to share your faith. For when you come to this place of glory, surrounded by fiery choirs of angels, with our songs of praise repeated by the saints who are already in glory, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts, when we receive that which angels can barely stand to look upon, should not our lives be changed, our faith grows so brightly, our deeds give such glory to God, that all the world would be transformed, that doubt and fear would be cast out, that our families would be made holy as the powers of hell shrink back in trembling fear at the Christ who dwells within us. The Son of God, humbles himself to come to us as food under the appearance, the form of bread and of wine. What joy should fill our soul. What an awesome privilege for us to say the body of Christ, amen, the blood of Christ, amen.